Welcome back to the flip side. I'm Galen. Brian Moritz joining me as well. Brian, uh, you know, it's, it's spring officially now. I don't know what that's like for you in, in upstate New York, but I know here in Indiana, it's always cause for celebration. And, and I, you know, it's, it's weird though, because the weather has felt like spring for about a month already. So it's like there's not a huge transition there. Well, it is the first day of uh, spring up here. So naturally it snowed today. Um, <laughs> That's terrible. It, it, it was just a you know flurry in the air. It didn't last long, but you know, in the first full day, we get the snow. It's about par for the course. We've had snow as late as Mother's Day up here before, uh, so yeah, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. I don't. And, uh, so, so spring is kind of like a technicality in upstate New York. It really doesn't. It's really not a thing until yeah. about late May, and then it's summer. So spring here, it's kind of like, and you know, it's like a swing state in the election cycle because, <laughs> like, you know, there'll be some some springs where we'll just be like, you know, moving onward and upward and and have no problems at all, and then there'll be others where, you know, you'll have like a lingering. Um, Hold on a second. Roger, stop licking the floor. Sorry, folks. My dog <laughs> decided to start licking the carpet. Why are you licking the carpet? Like, in the corner. Don't do that. Because there, there was food? There was food there about there was, 10 years ago. There was Dad. never food there. Okay, I can guarantee there was never food That's there. That's you. Rare, rare glimpses into uh, the domesticity of Galen Clavio here. Uh, so, no. Anyway, um, what I was going to say was sometimes we have those springs where – it just the winter never really lets go completely and it'll be like April 20th and it'll be 41 degrees outside for a high. Like those are brutal. And then, but I would take that over. My least favorite is when it's like Seattle weather here in May, when it's like regularly like about 56 degrees and raining and it just stays that way the whole month. See, uh, no, I don't dig that at all. See, I can take that. We have, you know, I, I spring's my least favorite season of the four. And that's just because, you know, being in upstate New York, it's such kind of a slow build to the, to the, to the nice weather. And so you have a lot of like, you know, it's been nice and now you get snow or, you know, it's, you get a little snowfall in April or you get the worst kind of weather, which is like 38 to 41 degrees and that drizzly rainy that can be sleet and it can be rain and it's just. Yeah, just un- unpleasant. Like fifties and rain, I can deal with. That's ple- that that's nice enough. That's right. you know, nice. I, I I can deal with that. But um, I just assume you, you, you hated spring because you hated like things that to you know gain life and start to grow. Like you're <laughs> you're like Grinch like in your desire to watch things slowly die. Which is uh, w- 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 now you're onto something because fall's my favorite season. Yeah. See, so fall, now, fall is my see. fall is my wife's favorite season too, and I always joke with her about that. She doesn't think it's funny, but I joke with her about it anyway. No, that's that, that's actually really funny. Uh, <laughs> so, so um, I know we have to make this kind of abbreviated today, as you uh, as you know, you make sure Roger doesn't eat your floor. Right. Uh, but so, um, uh, epi- we are episode ten. This is double figures. We are one away from tying Cop Rock, and two episodes will have outlasted Cop Rock, that's, which is a big deal. That was always. Um, we're going to have to have a special celebration for that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know in your in your uh, in your working. Are you? Do you have a craft brew uh, at, at hand tonight, or are you? I, uh, uh, I do. I don't remember if this is a repeat or not, but I've got me some Upland Dragonfly, which Dragonfly. okay, I highly recommend. It's a delightful IPA. It's uh, kind of in the Bell's Two Hearted mold, but it's got its own special flavor to it, and uh, I really enjoy it a great deal. And if uh, it's 
Upland is, you know, the the craft brewery here in Bloomington that's probably got the most national reach. Uh, they're starting to get that in, in a lot of the surrounding states. And so uh, they're best known probably for their wheat beer. But uh, if you get your hands on a dragonfly, you won't be disappointed. Excellent. I have the uh, Stainless Steel IPA from the Ellicottville Brewing Company, hmm. uh, which is absolutely my one of my top three favorite brewers. Um, Ellicottville, about an hour south of Buffalo, um, a little south of Orchard Park where the Bills play. Right. Uh, great, li- great little ski town. If I had to, you know, if I had to do my early twenties over again, I probably would have spent more time, if not lived there, when I was living in the Southern Tier. <laughs> uh, but just a just a fantastic, a really great little town, and just a fantastic brewery. Great beer. Really, really, um, really good hot profile, really good full flavor. Very much kind of, a, I feel like it's hitting in the Dogfish 60 uh, vein of IPAs. Sure. And um, very, very, just very, very good all around. So. Good. Excellent. Well, let's let's dive right in. We've got some things to chat about, obviously. Um, we, I was joking about this on Twitter, and you brought it up as something you wanted to talk about. But uh, the uh, the commercials that have been running during the NCAA tournament almost um, – I mean, I'm not going to say they're more important to talk about than the tournament because the tournament actually has been really worth talking about this year, yeah. and we're going to get to that here in just a second. But, uh, you know, one of my biggest complaints about the way that the NCAA handles their properties is that they, they just never can quite figure out 100% of the way the right way to do things. Like they get a, a good basic idea, and then they screw it up through some kind of dunderheaded like corporate mentality. And and I you know I talked about this with uh, my buddy Scott on another podcast that I do where we were talking about the floor designs. And you know if you this year mm-hmm. if you'll notice like each well they've got four floor designs that they're rotating two for each like two two one floor design for two courts. And so like Denver is like orange with uh, some accent colors, and I think Spokane is also orange with some accent, and, and Des Moines is was green, and so on and so forth. And it's nice because it gives you, on the day of a game, it gives you an, an idea of where the game is being played without necessarily having to check, and that's cool. Right. And you know, it used to be that they, the NCAA, would have sizable, uh, you know, I mean, they would, sizable is the wrong word, but they would have, they would be rather ornate floor designs on on basically every court. Each one would be different. I'm sure you remember this. Yeah. And then in like 2008 or 2009 or, two, or something like that, they announced they weren't going to do that anymore. They were going to have a uniform court design so that none of the regional sites were any different from each other. Right. And they ended up with that awful kind of, you know, sterile blue and black design for everyone where the only way that you could – delineate the, the the floors from each other was by looking at the dark blue lettering on the black background on the end of the right. the baseline. Well, so I like what they're doing with this now, but it's like they had a great like independent floor design thing going and they ruined it because they, they were trying to do some kind of branding thing. And I feel like the same thing applies with commercials. It's the same damn commercials every time. Like, I mean, there's a rotation of about 12 or 13 of them. And if you're like me, and you're watching every game for the whole four days of the first two rounds of the tournament, 
man, you want to jump off a cliff, you know, the next time you see, you know, a, a State Farm commercial or something like that. So, I mean, do you find that sort of advertising effective? Do you do you think that they really find it effective? Or, or I mean, doesn't it, like, get into a bit of saturation theory at some point? Yeah, I, I think it does get into saturation theory. I mean, I have a little – Yeah, I, it's funny how little attention I kind of pay to the ads because I was trying to think when I saw your tweet about it last night. I was trying to think of any commercials, and I can't really think of any. Um, I, 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 I find it odd thinking about it that they do so much repetitive commercials, not the sponsors, but the actual commercials we're talking about repeating. So it's not just, you know, you're hearing a lot about from State Farm, you're hearing a lot from, you know, whoever the corporate sponsors are, but it's the same ads running over and over again. Right. And you, and you would think that, um, of any sporting event, the NCAA tournament lends itself to that binge viewing where you're, you know, you're like you or like me or like a lot of people. You you just watch basketball for four days for right. long stretches at a time. And so you would think that it would, it would come out. It, it, you, you would think that I don't find it effective. I, you know, obviously I can't remember who the sponsors are. So, you know, it's <laughs> obviously not very effective. Um, the, the one thing that kind of, the, there are two kind of broadcast issues that, um, I, I have bothered me or annoyed me a little bit during the first two rounds. Uh, the one is, um, so as we, as we said here, we're an Apple household. We have the, the new Apple TV and we have, you know, I have the app on, on my devices. I have the app on the, and the Apple TV and you cannot stream a CBS game. Right. On, on the, you can do it on, on your laptop. You can do it on the phone. You can do it on the tablet, but you can't stream it through. I don't know. I assume it's the same for Roku and yep. for the desktop. So you can't do it for the tabletops, which is ridiculous. Um, it's just, uh, it just seems like such a stupidly arbitrary thing to, to block for no, no apparent reason. I mean, luckily we have an antenna, we have a good, really strong CBS signal. So any CBS game I've been able to kind of been able to get between that and the laptop and that's no problem. The other thing that was, in, that, that was bothersome to me is, so if you're on the computer or on the lap or on the device, you can flip between all, every game. So all four games. Right. And the, the, the annoying thing is when you Flip, it, flip a game, you automatically go to commercial. Yes. Right away. So this came, this bit me twice. Uh, one time it was on Friday. So I teach a sports writing class Friday afternoon, 150 to 245. Now to set the stage, it's the last day before our spring break on Friday. It's an afternoon sports writing class. So it's upperclassmen and Syracuse is playing at that time. Mm-hmm. So I knew, you know, okay, there's no no point in planning an actual class activity. Three quarters of the class is going to be gone, right. and it's a sports writing class. So okay, we're gonna we'll put the games up. You we'll do some live tweeting and, and some and some you know using social media on the games, and you know you, you you cut it a loss. Well, of course, you get to the game and Syracuse is blowing Dayton out, and it's a twenty point game, and it's you know there's nothing compelling about watching it. Right. So we start flipping around, and every time you flip to a game, you have to sit through the same Samuel. I think it's a Samuel L. Capital One ad, or it's no, it's Kenny Smith with something again. Or it's so or it's Coke. Or it's Coke. I've had a, I've had a couple Coke commercials. And then and then last night, so last night I'm flipping around, and it's it's the around eight thirty. I've flipped off the UNI Texas A&M game, which will lead into our next topic probably. <laughs> so I flipped that off because the St. Bonaventure women were in the second round, and that's on ESPN. Right. So flip apps, watch the mono women. Early second half, the the game gets away from them. They get blown out as expected. And I see on Twitter everyone starting to chat about, ooh, the, this game is close. The, the the collapse was just happening. Right. So I I flip back, change apps, flip back to March Madness. 
had to sit through an ad, missed the missed all the comeback. Like it came back right after the guy had hit the tying layup and and, and was going to overtime. Um, and of course, the 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 web feed is just enough delayed from Twitter that I knew it was going to overtime before I actually went to overtime. Right. Which is again an, another annoyance of that. So that was kind of my my viewership of of, of the tournament. Um, and it, it's you're right. It, it, it's just annoying enough and creates just enough friction that it 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 doesn't ruin the experience but it just makes it annoying enough and it shouldn't be more annoying than it should be i guess at this point yeah it just it should be simple like you know you you shouldn't have to sit through a 30 second ad every time you want to change games you you shouldn't have to um you you shouldn't have to stream off a mobile device every time you want to watch a CBS game. Like, I mean, I, you know, you're able to get them off laptop, which is at least something. But even with that, it's like, you know, I couldn't get any of the games on um, on Amazon. Like, so Amazon Fire had, mm-hmm. the, uh, had, the, had the March Madness app. And I was watching a pregame, and then when the game was getting ready to start, the screen pops up and says, um, you're not allowed to stream games on the Amazon Fire app. And I was like, what the – like, really? I mean, yeah. And, look, I get there's contractual gobbledygook going on with, you know, they're able to get this service set up because they've been able to promise the television providers that, you know, the only places people are going to watch this is if they're on their phones, like going from place to place. When in reality, you know, I had my phone set up, I had a laptop set up, I had a second laptop with an HDMI cable plugged into a secondary television. I ended up taking that laptop and plugging it into the primary television uh, on Saturday because IU was playing Kentucky and it was a CBS game. And I'm like, well, I'm not watching that on the small screen. I'm going to watch it on the big one. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it seems needlessly focused on making the process difficult as opposed to making the process easy. And it's like, why have all of these things if you're not going to make it easy on people to watch them? And just why have them at all? Yeah, and 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 it's so close to being not I don't want to say perfect system or flawless system, but it's so close to being kind of what we want for streaming sports. Sure. It's exa- it's so close that you can flip. It's easy to flip between games. It's easy to like see scores, what's going on, to see the box score. Like it's about eighty eight percent of the way there, and it's so. But it's just not not. There's just enough friction points with that they're like either keeping it up through old me for for old media, you know, like like a head nod toward them. I don't know. It's just it's it is it's needlessly frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, um, but it hasn't detracted from the watching of the actual tournament. It, I mean, there's been some annoyances, but you know, by and large, we've still been able to watch all of the games. And man, mm-hmm. uh, it's been it's been an entertaining tournament so far. I mean, it. I I can remember slightly more crazy tournaments in terms of like an individual day mm-hmm. or what have you, but um, you know some of the upsets we've seen have been really stunning, mm-hmm. and, and and many of the games have just been incredible. I mean, you know the it's somehow Northern Iowa winning on a half court buzzer beater has been overshadowed by another game that Northern Iowa played. Like that's, right. that's the level of, of, of incredible that we've got so far with this. Yeah. I saw, I saw somebody tweet out that one of the biggest upsets in NCAA tournament history is like the eighth most bonkers right. thing that happened in the first, in, in the weekend. It's been, it's so, so looking back at it, what's kind of, 
what are your what 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 do you kind of what are your takeaways from this? I mean, what do you kind of look back on as fondly as like your favorite parts of what you've seen so far? I mean, you know, last night was tough to beat. You know, where you had three games heading down to the wire. And, you know, everything kind of happening at once. I mean, the Northern, I actually, so I was, I was bitter because I had picked Texas A&M in a survivor pool. And, you know, with, with 40 seconds left, it was a 12 point game. And I turned it off because I wanted to watch the Wisconsin Xavier game. And I, so I turned it, I turned it off and I was like doing other things. And then I happened to see something on Twitter about, I, I I was like I can't believe what I'm seeing because yeah. I you know, it was just one tweet and so I I got it up on the laptop and I was like holy God this is incredible uh, mm-hmm. and I had to go back and watch the whole thing and see what happened like that was really cool I've I've never I and I didn't see it live but I've never seen anything like that before in all my years of watching basketball but then to follow that up with that incredible end to the Xavier Wisconsin game. Yep. And then to follow that up, frankly, with a very, very good ending to the St. Joe's Oregon game as well, right. um, that was a great culmination. It was kind of a, it was a, a little bit of a stodgy day, uh, Sunday, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, I mean, the, the, the Notre Dame SFA game was pretty good, but the, uh, and the other ones were, were fine, but it was like you didn't get the really like down to the wire drama that you got in those last three, which was really cool. And which is bonkers to think about what, what kind of standard was set by the weekend when Notre Dame winning on a putback with 1.5 seconds left was kind of like, eh, that was all right. That wasn't yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, it was funny. I missed, ended up by dumb luck missing so much of the, uh, of the, uh, of the buzzer beater action. So I explained what happened with you and I. And by the way, one of the things I loved about that game was the first overtime of that game mm-hmm. was just the best five minutes of basketball I think I saw a weekend in terms of big shot, big shot, right. intensity. It was just that was an, that was at an incredibly high level. And the second overtime kind of had that more you know hitting the wall feel to it. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because Friday night I stayed up watching Michigan Notre Dame and kind of had a rooting interest because I had Michigan going far in my bracket and. I like John Beeline a lot. I'm sorry, right. I know I'm talking to an Indiana guy, but I like ah. Michigan. I, I like I like them a lot. Yeah, and uh, and that was a really really good game. Mm-hmm. Till about that was a really fa- great game, and so it was like around midnight I think when that game ended, and I called it, went to bed, and missed the half court shot and the 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 St. Joe's the, the 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 dunk that 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 didn't count. Right. Um. Which again, a guy throws down a dunk. That's in his hand. That is like on his fingertips with yeah. point zero. When, when, I mean, you know, we could probably do a whole show uh, when we have more time on instant replay um, and what it's wrought. But like again, that's down. That's like in the other things that happened this weekend um, in terms of basket. In, in terms of the basketball. In terms of the memorable finishes. But it has been just such a a fun reminder of you know of of the tournament and why. Why this single? Why this? The 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 setup of it, and why it's just so much. So it, it can be so fun when you have, you know, when you have, you know, and and it kind of speaks to I think why parody is such a good thing when you have, um, you know, un, you know the you know the the one of the running themes I think I've seen in some of the like the big lead and the contrary pieces of why this wasn't the best open, opening weekend of all time like that matters but like you know is like the see you know the the idea of you know teams some of the, these teams were underseeded and so and you know the and and so you know the right. matchups weren't as great but who cares they're well, they're the, really funny but the matchups I mean, and, and I, 
the matchups were good though. Like that's yeah. the thing. I mean, the underseeding or the overseeding actually had uh, you know an interesting effect, which was that um, it all balanced itself out to some degree. And look, this happens right. every every time. You know, like I feel like it happens more now than it used to. Like people are on to this idea that the committee screws up. And it becomes a huge talking point throughout the course of the week. I mean, I, I hate to break this to people, but this has been going on for decades. And, you know, there have been, there have been questionable committee decisions that whole time. And so I don't get caught up in that as much. I mean, you could debate individual team seeds, but a lot of that is just, you know, that it, it's, it's un, it's, it's kind of un, unimportant, you know, and it's funny to me because, the same people that were complaining about overseeding and underseeding were the same people that were basically predicting chalk um, in the studio shows. And I mean, you had one region that was chalk. Uh, the West region was one, two, three, four. Uh, every other region had, I think, at least two teams that weren't supposed to be in the Sweet 16. And in many cases, they were double digit seeds. Uh, you know, and it's like that, that's, that's something I think that illustrates how effective this sporting event is that it can survive the committee not doing its job and it can survive people um feeling like it wasn't set up properly and it can still deliver the goods and you know it's why it's so compelling and you know it's funny the the thing that's funny to me is you know you can set your clock to this you know the, the ncaa tournament starts and all the nba people you know, stand up and are like, well, this is terrible basketball. And, you know, I don't know how you people can subject yourself to watching this. And it's like, we have to do this with everything, don't we? We like, we really, we really have to make everything a binary choice. And it's like, just yeah. enjoy both. Like, it's not, right. it's not going to kill you. It, it's, it's, there's, there's a different level of basketball. Um, but it's enjoyable. I mean, there were th- look. You can talk about how great plays get made in, in NBA games, and I'd love to debate individual elements of that with you because everything becomes relative after a certain point. But sure. but you know, at the end of the day, it is rare to find an NBA game where the same sort of do or die mentality is being exhibited by the players as it's being exhibited by the guys out on the floor in some of these games. I'm not saying it never happens. I'm saying it happens very rarely. Like, very rarely do you feel like something bigger than the game is on the line when you're watching an NBA playoff game. And it felt like that in so many of the games for this opening weekend of games. And that's, that's right. you sense that. And that's, that's one of the things I really love about the event. Right. And, you know, I was thinking about this today. Um, Kind of germane to our point a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about coaches getting, you know, criticism of coaches and not. So what was your keeping that in mind, criticizing coaches and not. So the UNI A&M game yesterday and I'm great comeback by A&M or utter collapse by UNI. Well, and again, not it doesn't have to be a binary. Things can be both. But I mean, it was more of a collapse. I mean, that was the biggest collapse on record. Statistically, yes. Statistically. I mean, and look, I mean, you and I lost their primary ball handler and passer to an injury like a minute earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also acted like they had no clue what to do under pressure. And it's like that's at some point you got to just like get your guys calm down a bit. Like, you know, I mean, they they would have done better tossing the ball all the way down the floor than they would have 
that yeah. you know doing what they had been doing and and, and I, I I read the transcript today and the coach did say that you know I, I don't know if he had told them that but he he had said like at, at some point you want to just throw the ball because there are no timeouts left um and, you know it's you know that's another thing you know why don't you have why are you using timeouts before that that mm. part in the game you know um oh. I don't, it, well, it's something I, I I read, and it's a football books, but I don't know why. But it sticks with me is um it's a John Madden book, and he always liked to save his timeouts, especially in the in the second half. And you know it was like it was an anecdote he told where like a, a defensive player called timeout, and he was all the, the player was all proud because we were out of position, and he yelled at the guy, "I'm like, we're gonna get the five yards back. You know, you can get the five yards back. You don't get that timeout back." And I always thought that in basketball, you know, the guy's going out of bounds and he calls timeout or, you know, some weird game situation and you call a timeout. It's like, it's basketball. You're going to get a possession, you, you know, one timeout. And, you know, I don't know if, if you and I wins the game, but at least you're able to, you know, reset your guys a little bit and calm them down and tell them, you know, you got nothing. Just whip the ball in the other direction and that will help. I don't know. No, I mean, I think it's a it's a valid point. I think. It's what causes a lot of coaches to hoard timeouts during the game. Right. And, and I think sometimes that's not good either. Like, there, there's a discretionary element to it. Like, there's been many times with IU where we've allowed, like, a nine or ten point run. And you're like, call a damn timeout. Like, you know, get, get, okay. you know, quell the, quell the momentum. Now, right. you know, if you're having to do that more than a couple of times a game, chances are it won't matter that you don't have timeouts at the end of the right. game. But, uh, I do think it's important to, to think about, you know, I'd have to go back and look and see why they didn't have any timeouts. I'm not sure. But it is something where if they've just frivolously wasted them on stuff, that's, yeah, I think that's an easily criticizable point. you got to kind of take it on a point-by-point basis, though. Yeah, but and, and you know, uh, and, and, I, and I always feel bad, like, not bad, but I always feel a little off, you know, talking so much about the collapse and what you and I did wrong. Like, A&M played perfect, you know, it was 45 seconds, but they pressed well. Yeah, they did. They, 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 when they... And what was really, you know, what was really impressive looking back on is they would get the steal and they went right to the basket for a quick bucket. They weren't, they weren't trying to shoot a three to get the points. They were, they, they, they handled that at the turnovers. They were kind of in, you know, whether it was, and again, is that coaching? Is that instinctive playing? Who knows? Probably a combination, but it was just very, really impressive to see. And, um, by the way, belated congratulations on your Hoosiers. Yeah. Kentucky getting to the sweet 16. Yeah. I'll, uh, um, you're playing against one of my teams, so you know I'll root for Carolina this weekend. But then if you guys beat them, I will um, jump on the bandwagon. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I've given up trying to figure out exactly how good this IU team is. They they can score pretty much with anybody, and mm-hmm. you know, but they they showed a different side of themselves in that Kentucky game, and that they they defended really well. I mean, they held Kentucky under a point per possession, and. Yeah. Not many teams have done that this year. So, you know, I mean, size is an issue against UNC, but um, UNC also doesn't shoot threes, like, at all. I was looking at their right. stats, and it's, like, just not part of their offense. And um, that could be a problem against IU, who loves to shoot threes. And, you know, I mean, they shot, like, 55% from three in the first game of the tournament. So that yeah. could create some problems. Yeah, and, 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 you know, in the one game, in the one game takes all. That's all it takes, you yeah. know, one hot half, like, that's basically what uh, Middle Tennessee State did against uh, uh, Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah, they you know got. Except that it was for first, a whole game, basically. It was for a whole game, but that big first half, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're always able to keep that lead, which is yeah. impressive. So yeah, so no, it's you know what, it's been a fun tournament. It's an interesting Sweet Sixteen. A lot of ACC teams in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. Um, I'm, 
I'm hearing about it from my Syracuse alum friends. I bet you are. Yeah. Uh, That's, you know, I mean, look, uh, you know, the, I'm, I'm always, it's, some of it is always accidental. Uh, you know, it's like, would Syracuse have beaten Michigan State if Michigan State had been playing at their peak? You know, who knows? Right. Um, but, uh, no, give, give their teams credit for getting to that point. And, you know, I'm, you know, Sweet 16s are always interesting. Like, if you get too many lower seeded teams in the Sweet 16, then a lot of times it makes for some very uneven games because right. you're you're now facing off against a different caliber of opponent. Right, um, and and that and that caliber of opponent now has three days to watch three four days to watch tape on you instead of twenty four hours. Right, exactly. Um, so sometimes it's better from a competition standpoint to have teams like in the the top eight seeds basically making it to the second uh, weekend. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just. I, I, this is always kind of the death throes of like the really exciting part of the tournament. You know, you'd, you'd get two games going on at a time on Thursday uh, for two separate sessions. Same thing on Friday, and then it's like, well, you only get one game in this time slot, and then in this time slot, you know, on, for, on Saturday and Sunday, and that's always a bit of a letdown. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. It should be good. Yeah. Um, last thought on the tournament, and I guess maybe last thought for the podcast. Um, yeah. You know, the the thing. I think I'm most impressed by um, with this tournament has been how the number of players that have stepped up and really done well. The thing I think I've been least impressed by is the officiating re- trying to reassert itself in areas where it's never asserted itself. I mean, I've seen more offensive foul calls mm-hmm. in this tournament than I think I've seen just watching regular college basketball, like regular season games for the last two years. Like it's crazy. Like, I, I mean, in the IU game, I think we had five or six offensive fouls called the, the, the Xavier Wisconsin game was basically decided by a flop on an yeah. offensive foul call. I mean, it's, yeah. I just, I, it's one of the many things, it's where we need that, that czar of college basketball. It's one of the many things about the sport that frustrates me because it's like, right. it's making for drama, but it's also a different game than the one that we've watched throughout the course of the year. Yeah. And it, and, and, and you know, the, 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 the charge, it's such a misapplied rule. So oftentimes, you know, it's, it's, you know, the guy's sliding over and he just gets there to stop the guy who had no chance to see him coming. It's meant to be the player control, like the out of control right. guy steamrolling down. It's not meant to be, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the Shane Battier move, you know, and I really like Shane, Shane Battier, but you know, that move where you just kind of slide over and just get there in time to, to, and, and fall over and flop. And, and yeah, and, and it's one of those things that it like, it needlessly creates that kind of, Tension's not the right word, but it, it, it just, it, you know, that, that Michigan, that Wisconsin Xavier game, you know, it, it kind of casts just enough of a pall over it. You know, that's yep. a great, a great play by Wisconsin. Great shot. All credit to them. Classic buzzer beater. Exactly the move you want to do. But you're always going to have it in the back of your head that, man, they, that, that they got that basically because of the flop, because right. of a flop. And it, and it, and it's unfortunate because you don't need that, I feel like. Right. And even the A&M game, they had that, there was, a, you and I had a ticky tack mm-hmm. and one on a fast break that, you know, didn't, you know, ended up costing them. So yeah, college officiating is just so, you know, I guess inconsistent. And yeah. so, yeah, and it's, and it, and, and it, it, it it robs the games, I think, too much. I, I think it's again, it's just enough that it makes that that it hurts the that it hurts what we see just enough that it makes it a little bit problematic. 
Yeah. So. Well, hopefully it gets better by this weekend. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. But yeah, anyway. I'm, sure, I'm sure it will. There'll be no officiating controversies this weekend. At yeah, all. well, and, and, you know, I'm sure that the, the game, North Carolina playing in the East Regional, I'm sure that'll be refereed completely oh, without bias yes. at all. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Well, hey, good chat as always. And yeah. uh, thanks to you folks for tuning in. We'll, uh, We'll catch you for episode 11 next week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Brian, I hope you have a pleasant week. Same to you. Good luck with everything. All right. You folks take it easy. We'll catch you on the flip side. So long, everybody. <laughs>